0: how to do these things or whatever. I feel like we've been able to get like pretty significant results from it, doing it section by section.
1: Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. (laughs) Hello guys, welcome. We are going to discuss more about SEO, how to create the right strategy, how you can get results, how you can increase sales, not traffic, because I see when webmasters chase traffic, it doesn't help to sell. And uh, I spoke with one webmaster who lost 400,000 traffic, and he spent a lot of resources, money to get this traffic, but when Google dropped his ranking positions, he didn't lose any sales. <laughs> so he got a lot of traffic that didn't convert, didn't help in customers' journey. I'm so excited to discuss more about SEO with Rebecca. How are you?
0: I'm great. How are you doing?
1: Ah, doing great. Looking forward to learn more about ACO. I found I'm a student on this life, i back on this niche for many years since 2008, but I can learn something new every single day.
0: And we the... all can. That's good.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the last time I read less SEO news and more practice and act with something that actually works for me. Rebecca, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more sure. about Rebecca Edwards.
0: So, um, I actually started out in marketing, just trying to find my way in college, and a little while after I graduated, I started working in content writing back in 2014, Um, and I was writing a lot of different types of content. I honestly didn't really know what SEO was, and I sort of fell into a job writing content for a website, and I didn't... I didn't know that's what we were doing, like those words weren't used, but we were writing long form health content. And so um, I worked there in house for a while, kind of dabbled in web design. And so I started learning a little more about, oh, this is what SEO means and how it works. And uh, for that website was drx.com At the time, they were like the largest natural health website in the world. And then um, I worked as the managing editor for askthedentist.com. Uh, Ask the Dentist is a very similar kind of like, it's obviously dental health, but it's health content, a lot of long form. And that's where I started really getting into SEO and understanding how what we were writing played into that and then uh, I launched an agency uh, during the end of my time at Ask the Dentist back in 2019, early in that year. And we started out just doing like long form content creation. It was SEO related, but at the time we didn't do anything else and as we've grown, we have basically started offering like technical SEO services, strategy and those kinds of things now. So I've been running the agency for um, that time. And And I love
1: it. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, Um, we chatted a little bit before the podcast uh, about uh, how it's important to love what you do about Hmm. passion and remember some uh, people from my audience asked me uh, that how I can work a lot in SEO because it's boring. It's not boring. (laughs) It's very creative. (laughs) And I yeah, and I like your background. Uh, I love your background because um, you mentioned that you didn't know about SEO. And for me, the best SEO experts are marketers today. And I love books written before digital. Josh Ugerman, Seth Godin, many great insights. And what I like what I like on this box that offers didn't try to satisfy algorithms. And I did it for a long time. That was, I can't tell that was a mistake. That worked on the time. That fact, mm-hmm. uh, I bought a lot of backlinks to overcome my competitors. I created content for search engines, uh, but things change. Yeah. Google updates the system uh, plus 7,000 times a year. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially
0: and, recently.
1: Yeah. And if you can satisfy users, then you can win in SEO. That's cool Absolutely. to have this background. Rebecca, I want to ask about SEO strategy. It's a big hmm? issue, still big issue. What I is see yeah. when companies use uh, popular tools, uh, SEMrush, Ahrefs, Ubersuggest, Serankin, mm-hmm. m- 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 many great tools today, Google Keyword Planner, free tools, and uh, but they can't find the right keywords that will bring sales, not traffic. Uh, and uh, even if you get a lot of traffic, it doesn't mean that you can get sales. Uh, uh, for example, let's imagine I take the keyword SEO. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's really tough to really? get this keyword because of most, because of Google itself, Ahrefs, uh, Neil Patel, m- many great resources who desert this ranking positions. They have authority, okay. trust, content. In uh, the second, it doesn't mean that I can sell my services. You know, because okay. It's brought topic Uh, it's a big topic Uh, so tell how to find keywords that will bring sales not
0: that is a great question so when we do strategy for clients we start instead of looking for keywords first we start with like three things you have to know who your customers are and what they want who your competitors are and what seems to be working for them and then third who you are and how you're going to be able to monetize what you do because SEO doesn't really matter if it's not actually helping you monetize what you do, right? So, uh, I actually sit down with clients at the beginning and talk through a lot of questions about what do you get questions about if you have customers in person, if you have people buying your stuff online, if you offer a service, what are people asking, what do they want to know? Um, and so I start there and then, um, I actually, this is, I don't know if this is really analog for how many tools there are out there, but I love to just reverse engineer keywords and so When a client says, hey, I have a lot of patients that ask me about what, you know, what vitamins I should take to feel less anxiety, I will start just typing stuff into Google it doesn't have to be perfect it's i'll just type in something really long tail and then i find articles or pages or whatever that seem to match up with that then i open it up i happen to use hrefs i open it up in hrefs and i see oh there's actually this keyword like supplements for hypothyroidism so let's use that and we find all of the keywords and variants around that i like to use Hrefs' content gap tool to look at like what's working for competitors and then i also am like helping clients look at like what is the product or service you offer what do we need to answer questions about that specific thing and so a lot of those become more long tail if you're talking about like a SaaS company it might be things like troubleshooting a problem how to use something whatever so i kind of like I, when we're going through the process i have so many downloads of like keyword lists and keyword lists then i wrote a script that basically allows me to put all of these CSV files from Hrefs and just export them. It divides everything by the primary keyword, just whichever one shows the most traffic, and then all of the variants, all of the traffic estimates for all of the variants, and it puts all of that into one spreadsheet, and then I just work through that kind of with those three factors in mind. So that's, that's how I do it, and I think it's very different Per company because if you're trying to monetize your content with ads your goals are different than someone who's trying to have patients schedule an appointment or someone who's looking for people to download their software so
1: awesome yeah love it love it uh, you mentioned uh, in the beginning you start to learn customers i think it's very important but yeah. i usually yeah of course i learn customers But uh, I usually start to learn products uh, more deeply. And for example, once I got uh, a client uh, in online games niche, um, I got like payment sixteen k for my consulting services. And uh, what I did in the first two days, I played these games. (laughs) I just played these games without. Yeah, and uh, my son uh, asked me, "What I'm doing?" Uh, uh, I told. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I told him many times, I don't play online games, it's not dangerous. you need to read books, I'm, I'm trying to lead him in the right direction, but at that time I got payments, I need to understand why people are playing on these games, and when yeah. he saw, he, he asked me, what's going on, why are you playing? Because I got 16k to play these games. What? Nobody pays me for <laughs> playing online games. How you got <laughs> such money? <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's funny, but um, it's my approach to learn yeah. products. I need to understand why people are playing on these games. Then I can learn. Um, then I can learn uh, audience, uh, customers, users. Tell them- How to collect the right data? Uh, I mean, like, uh, okay, uh, uh, we can use HRFs. We can use other tools. Mm -hmm. But um, can you tell how to learn more deeply customers uh, who will consume these products?
0: So uh, learning with my clients has been a journey because I think every brand has such a different type of client base or customer base or user base or whatever. So for instance, we started out working for a lot of companies that were like, Hey, we do local work with like patients in a practice, but we want to expand and we want to like have more of a national audience so we can sell products or whatever. In those cases, those are people who can give me tons of rich data just from meeting with patients in person. Um, they sit down with patients when they meet them and, you know, ask a lot of questions, whether it's, how did you find us? But a lot of the questions are like around their pain points and things like that. We've had other sites that do like recipes and things along that line and they have big email lists. And so for them, the answer to collecting data is knowing how to structure email strategies around like gathering that and engaging your audience um i've had several who uh really lean on like customer service departments and people that are talking to customers every single day and dealing with customer complaints and things like that and sometimes they'll aggregate that data and share it with us Um, and still other people i think when you're having uh when you have a an ask or a buy-in that's like a large amount of money for the product so someone that's buying say like a piece of software that costs $40,000 a year or whatever something that's like that that makes it more than worth it to set up individual meetings with your clients to talk about like, why did you decide to use this? Did you compare us to other products? How did you decide that we were the best? Um, I have been working with an SEO software company, ClearScope. I've been using their services forever. I love ClearScope. It's one of our like largest expenses every month other than spending money on people. But it's worth it and I've loved it. Well, I had a an issue recently and I just reached out on Twitter to the founder that I've kind of known since we did a call a while back and he was like, Hey, contact this person. And I contacted them. They set up a screen share with me and like walked, wanted to walk through like what was going on. And we got a ton of valuable information from that call. So I think that there's, there are a lot of different ways to ask customers, but you just kind of have to know your audience and know the way that, you know, you've structured to talk to them and then lean on those things and don't be afraid to ask.
1: Yeah, love it, love it. Awesome. Um, um, I spoke with the founder uh, on my podcast. He's great to share this valuable bombs. He filmed a video for my course. Yeah, a great nice. video. Um, and Rebecca, I want to ask about, OK, uh, let's imagine you collected data, a lot of data, you know, customers, uh, but how to convert this data to creating high quality content? Uh, m- many years ago, I had a team of writers. Who wrote about anything. I gave them all topics uh, that you can imagine, finance, uh, marketing, whatever. They wrote Google ranked well. <laughs> Today, uh, Google fired all the steam. Okay, I fired the steam, but Google pushed me <laughs> forward, you know, yeah. fired these people, and uh, I'm looking for uh, real experience. Uh, even using ChatGPT or any other AI tool, I can't create high quality content. I don't know how right. to do it in accounting. I can be in SEO and marketing. You, you don't need to ask sure. me. I, have, I I do it every single day. But in accounting, I fail uh, in play, how to play guitar. I can't because I have no experience. So tell your methods. OK, you collect the data, but how to create this high quality content by using this data?
0: Great question. Um, so subject matter experts and content are becoming obviously a lot more important. I think that that may end up being a, not a job title, but it may end up being something that people kind of do as their career. Um, moving forward, just because it's so important. So what we found is we work with clients. A lot of times I have contact with people at the companies where we're working that have the expertise that we desperately need. And so we've introduced a review process into all of the content that we create. It's after the fact, which is not the ideal time to do it. But we do have an expert that's reviewing pretty much everything. It's almost always someone that works at the brand that we're working like for. So it's not somebody we have in-house. Um, I also have found a lot of benefit, especially from topics where our writers just aren't experienced. Like I have a writer on my team who is a published, a self-published author. Like he wrote a fiction book and we we were contacted by a, um, a website that publishes content all for writers about how to write their books and publish them and stuff like that. He was literally able to be the subject matter expert for that because he has done it. If we're not in a situation like that, I try my hardest to set up appointments early in the process and just let people stream of consciousness, like tell me about what they do. Tell me about what their patients say. Tell me about their major pain points. Tell me the things that I wouldn't know. And a lot of the times I will use language like if I were to Google this, what can you tell me that nothing on Google is going to tell me? Like that's my goal is to get to that like expertise level Um, and then recently with like the helpful content updates just to kind of add that additional level of expertise in our review process at the end of each article each of our editors is trained on like hey we need to add comments in our google docs and before we ship this article we need comments from the subject matter expert like tell us your patient stories here tell us what you found is actually true versus like what people think or whatever and so i think that that's that's been helpful although it's been an adjustment for clients who are like yeah but i Used to you just doing everything on your own. But the reality is, unless you want to pay more for the content so that we can hire those people in-house, you have to help give us that extra oomph because Chat GPT can't have experience. It it can give you a lot of information, but it can't experience things. And so, yeah, I've had that same thing where it's like, wouldn't it be easier if I could just tell Chat GPT what to do and you know have it pretend like it's a doctor or like a mm-hmm. software developer or whatever? But
1: Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, it's hard job to create high quality content, but ChatGPT can help. And uh, I want to share one story, an interesting story. I read the story on CNN, probably I don't remember exactly Uh, in uh, one big publication about a mother. And she uh, tried to find the way how to treat his son for three years, three years. this uh, small kid couldn't grow, Uh, he stopped in his grove, he couldn't speak, uh, many terrible things with this kid. And she visited uh, around 70 doctors, Uh, not around 17 doctors, a lot of doctors, and all of them specialized in one specific direction. So uh, they uh, found different ways how to uh, help this boy, uh, but uh, nothing backed Uh, Then. When Chat GPT appealed, uh, she, this mother took all this data from 17 doctors and asked Chat GPT what to do. And this tool found the way how to treat this boy. This tool can yeah. uh, this tool can see a big picture that uh, 17 doctors scanned. Uh, everyone yeah. knows one specific direction. But when Chat GPT got data, this tool found the way how to treat this boy, and today uh, this uh, boy is good. He, he started to grow, he started to get the right treatment. Uh, I'm interested uh, about your methods how to use Chat GPT. Okay, uh, if this tool is bad with something, uh, but uh, anyway, it can help a lot uh, too if you use it in smart way. Tell how you use ChatGPT or any other AI related tools?
0: Sure. Also, I I did see uh, a story about a new AI doctor that Mm -hmm. a company just filed. I don't know if they were patenting it or getting seed funding or what they were doing. I think it's really cool that ChatGPT can aggregate that kind of information. Um, I'm still playing with it. I've I found that it's really helpful with helping with strategy. So I do work with ChatGPT a little bit on, you know, if I don't have as much information from the client as I really want, I'll ask ChatGPT, hey, if you were a person in this situation researching this topic, what kinds of pain points do you have? What kinds of questions do you need answered? Things like that. So it's helpful. Um, I like-ish using it to edit a little bit of content. I actually am not a huge fan of that. Um, but what I have found is I've been kind of toying with AI content generation that can then be edited, right? And everybody wants to do that and wants to do it well. I have a friend who just launched a tool yesterday. I've been testing multiple other ones, not necessarily all chat GPT related, but AI in some way. So I have basically a list of like 20-ish prompts that I can use that we've been trying to test out some content creation methods. Uh, It doesn't replace our editor for sure. Like we still have to like have a human editor go over it, work with it a lot. And I found that there's not a good way to prompt it to like just generate an article in one prompt, which I don't think it should be able to do that. Like i I try to treat it like a writer. And so what I do in the prompts I use is like break them down by section. And so I go through it and I'm, I'm actually about to train a new GPT and see if I can get it to learn all these things without having to be reminded all the time but I give it the style guide. I give it the keywords that I want it to use within the article. And then I tell it what the outline is. And then we write together section by section. But every time I ask it to write a section, I'm not just saying, Hey, write this section. I'm saying like, it needs to be this long, which it's not always great at that part. Um, but like it needs to include answers to these questions or like how to do these things or whatever. Um, and I've, I feel like we've been able to get like pretty significant results from it, doing it section by section.
1: Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Um, I agree. And sometimes, you know, I can uh, ask a lot of questions on ChatGPT, then quit the chat to open new chat (laughs) and start from scratch because, (laughs) you know, I can't get results. uh, I'm trying to explain in another way, but I speak a lot with ChatGPT. The last time I speak even more than with my wife, Um, I ask a lot (laughs) of questions. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, I love this tool. I love my wife, but, uh, (laughs) you know. I'm glad,
0: but for both of those, that's good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Rebecca, I want to ask about uh, something that you said on this podcast Mm -hmm. about um, you ask your writers to uh, create something that you can't find on Google, and sometimes it might Confuse because uh, we have user intent, and I uh, well, I ask my writers, please, you need to stand from stand out from the rest to provide something new, valuable, but right. you still need to consider user intent. Can you, you tell how to do it? I mean, like how to stand out from the rest, but consider that users wanna get such information.
0: Right. So when I was saying that, I'm referring specifically to the subject matter experts at the client that I'm working with. So I try to get them to tell us information that's like, hey, what do you know that I'm not putting in here? What do you know that's not on Google? I think that when working with writers or subject matter experts or whatever, I do try to approach every piece of content by starting with, okay, Google has identified that the intent for this keyword is ABC, right? Like we have to meet the intent and we want to make sure not to do it in a way that like overcompensates or undercompensates. And so I actually coined a term, I don't know if anybody else has used this, but I just called it the Goldilocks rule. Is your content like too long, too short, or just right? So a perfect piece of content that's just right. Meets that user intent. Like it's exactly what the user needs. Um, But I also, my bachelor's degree is in psychology. I try to use a lot of like human behavior knowledge to then go, okay, so here's like the basic user intent that's needed. What's the experience the person needs to have on this page to make it better than what's already ranking? And sometimes I dream about things that clients can't afford or like, you know, it's not always possible. But whether it's you know, a section on uh, a personal story that someone can offer, whether it's screenshots, whether it's a table or a video, or sometimes like an interactive tool. I mean, we've all heard these things, but what I'm trying to get at is like trying to tease out what's like, what's that X factor that it's not on Google yet, but we can offer it. It doesn't always exist. Like, honestly, This morning, I had to Google a list of iron-rich foods for my son. It it had nothing to do with SEO. And I Googled it. I opened the article, and I thought, you know what? This website kind of sucks. Like, it wasn't a great website. It was simple, um, but the formatting was a mess. It looked a little bit, like, outdated, But in reality, what did they do? They had bulleted lists of iron-rich foods in five different categories of foods with one intro paragraph. You know what they didn't do? They didn't add a million things about why you need to eat more iron-rich foods and all of this stuff. And I found myself thinking, sometimes the X factor is getting rid of extra content, like not overwriting, not over providing what's needed on that page. And so, um, yeah, it's Article by article, it is not, like, an easy process, but my goal is to, like, use, like, customer behavior in mind and figure out what they need that isn't already there if it's something we can provide.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Rebecca, uh, let me share a short story from my personal experience. Um, I help uh, customers in investing, trading niche. A lot of great money there, you know. People pay (laughs) so much, but... And uh, I... I often change approaches uh, for these websites uh, um, and looking for real experience. Uh, For example, uh, and we test, I don't know which offers can bring results. So I can hire a few offers to give different uh, content structure, different methods. uh, And and yeah, uh, and for example, um, once I uh, tested two different offers. Uh, both uh, post content on Forbes, uh, Investopedia, great websites, but uh, one offer uh, likes to write a lot to extend content, and he extend yeah. did content like to four thousand words per article. It's a lot. The second, yeah. no, he uh, writes like uh, two thousand uh, words, and Google ranked well. Much better, uh, less con- uh, not less content. I mean, like um, content with less words. Uh, I I started to re- uh, <clears throat> to research why, and I found because uh, users on this topic uh, need simplicity. They have no time to read long content. They wanna yep. get. Uh, straight to the point what they want to get. Uh, so uh, sometimes it's not a good idea to extend. Um, uh, the average data can show different pictures. Sometimes it works, sometimes not. It depends. Can you tell your methods how to simplify content? Uh, OK, uh, I you know, I, I'm asking this question because I still get the question. How much to write? How how often to write? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It depends. It depends on user return. It depends on your niche. And um, how often? usually tell, okay, if you can create one quality piece of content, get to to the second. Don't try to create uh, a few uh, pieces of content from scratch. Uh, And uh, even if you can post like one article a month. Brandin did uh, yeah. before selling his blog uh, yeah. to Samraj, and yeah, it that worked well. So tell your methods about uh, this. <laughs>
0: yeah, content frequency and all of that is really tough. So when it comes to like a single piece of content, I do try to look at what ranks, and we we have to make calls on word counts and stuff like that that have a range. I try to have like a three hundred word range on the word count. So it's you know I never want somebody to just Right, because they need to fill a word count. Right, like our goal is to outline and brief every article so that every section is necessary and there is nothing unnecessary that's still there. Um, when it comes to content frequency, a lot of times our clients and their budgets and needs dictate that. So, like if you can only pay for two pieces a month, but like based on your budget, or based on the fact that they're complex. Like Brian Dean is a great example. He was publishing a single piece because every piece he did required so much in it. It wasn't like, oh, I can ship this in two hours, right? Like he was spending several days and weeks, like researching and building, creative, and all of those things. Um, so depending on how you're limited by budget. I try to get clients with like new sites to publish at least four times a month. It does help topical authority to have several articles posted on any given topic. Um, In reality, like Google doesn't want to rank a site that's like, oh, I have three articles. Well, okay, are you really an expert in something? Especially if you're trying to get a lot of traffic from like broad or competitive topics. Um, But like we also like are working with a client right now that publishes 50 to 100 articles a month on like home renovation. And so you know, it kind of runs the gamut. And obviously, if you have uh, the money behind you to invest in that, there's not... I think that there's only a problem creating more content if you can't create it at scale in a way that's still valuable to people. I don't think that you need to, like, wait on every single piece. I believe in shipping what you have, iterating it, and making it better, but not obsessing over the quality, like, so far that you, like, stunt yourself and stop yourself from like publishing anything. Um, But yeah, I think the, if you can do quality content at scale, I think that's the dream. I think that's why people have been so intrigued by how AI can help build content. Um, So if you can do it at scale, do as much as you can. I guess the only other thing that I would say is don't just publish content for the sake of putting a piece of content on the website, right? Like don't just publish content because it's good for an algorithm. Like publish content because you have something to offer. If you are a car repair service or you do car detailing, you don't need to be publishing articles on the most popular emojis of 2023, right? Like, just cuz it has a lot of search volume don't just publish randomly make sure it's within your like scope within your expertise within the authority you're trying to build but yeah the more you can do it's not going to like hurt you to do more as long as it's within that like topical authority area
1: nice valuable valuable so valuable rebecca right now i wanna to speak with you about some scary things, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Google changes algorithms a lot. Uh, uh, according to data, uh, I check uh, different resources, uh, most um, publish like uh, Google changes 500 times a year, but uh, Google uh, claims uh, 7,000 times a year. It's a lot. So many things to do. If something works today, it doesn't mean that it will work tomorrow. And um, for example, when I started my digital journey, I didn't consider blog content because that was simple to game the system. We created e-commerce content, rank well. Today you can't. You can't uh, game the system. It's better to play by rules. Uh, But I'm not sure about the future. Uh, Let me explain why. For example, when someone can tell that chatbots can't uh, replace Google, I'm not sure about that. And uh, from my personal experience, for example, uh, I decided to buy Tesla. Uh, And I started to research about Tesla. Can I use this feature, self-driveless car, uh, in Florida? I asked this question on Google. You can try it. You know, I asked and i couldn't find information i got a lot of websites i need to research this content then i open bart from google and phone uh, reply to this question for a few seconds <laughs> then i uh, started to research about legislation uh, company in florida uh, common issue and uh, i searched in google M- many great content but i don't need this information i need just reply to this question: What kind of documents I need to have? So I asked yeah. this on ChatGPT and got the reply for a few seconds. Reply that I need. So you know the main goal of Google is to save time to users. Uh, it's not like social media, uh, right. YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn. They need to keep as much as uh, longer. You, you know, they want you
0: to keep scrolling.
1: Yeah, to spend time on social media, then they can uh, get more revenue. But on Google, Google, uh, the main goal of Google to give you a relevant link with resource that will help you as quick as possible. So if users can leave Google for 10 seconds, Google uh, provides a good job. But I can't find information that I can find much faster on chatbots. And I'm not sure about the future. I think chatbots will take some part of uh, the trade of the market uh and uh, chatbots can steal content it's not like even for example google uh, steals yeah. content in feature snippets at right. least google links to our content at least yeah. you know, uh, but uh, chatbots steal without even uh linking to you so uh can you tell what kind of future will be in block content if chatbots can take part of the trade if chatbots can steal your content uh What do you think, how we need to adapt to this possible future?
0: (laughs) So, I agree. I think that um, Google does exist to try and save people time. I also agree. I think that chatbots are definitely going to affect how many people search things on Google. I think that it is gonna be slower than AI is growing right now. Like, I think people thought that ChatGPT was just gonna replace Google and people were gonna use that to search. And honestly, in a lot of ways, it's easier but there's a lot of mistrust about asking something that's like, you know, it's an AI. Now, Google's been using large language models to train its algorithms for years. It's not like Google hasn't been using AI, but it's very different than talking to a chatbot bot like ChatGPT. So I think adoption of those things is gonna be pretty slow. Um, and it isn't helped by the fact that LLMs are predictive. And so they do hallucinate. They do tell you incorrect things sometimes. They're also incredibly powerful. But I think it's hard if you're just like the average person. that's like, I just need an answer to my question. It's hard to adopt an entirely new way of doing things. Now, Google created an entirely new way of discovering information. And it's been obviously incredibly successful and makes billions of dollars by that success. So I think in the future, over the next like... I would say five to 10 years, we'll probably see search traffic on Google, in my opinion, not have the same steady growth that it's shown um, in previous years. However, I think that what Google's trying to do is, like, with the recent helpful content updates and this necessity of, like, expert, experience, all of those things. Like they're really driving that and even user-generated content on Reddit and Quora and things like that is ranking even better than it always has because people want to know what other human beings think. Um... I think that's why Google is updating their systems the way that they are because they can have a differentiator in saying, A, you can chat with our AI chat bot. It's super great, right? But also, B, we're only going to show you content that a human being or someone with experience, however the content is created, but like a human being can interact with and benefit from. And I think that by trying to like just push that element so hard, they're going to make it feel like asking chat GPT is like a risk because it might not have the right information. Did somebody train it that's biased? Does it, you know, is it going to hallucinate? But Google can differentiate by saying, hey, we're going to offer you the chat bot, which is why they're doing search generative experience and they're launching, you know, that's been in search labs. A lot of people's accounts have it now and you can just get an AI powered overview. But also they're trying to clarify that like when you Google something, you're going to get the best result because a human being has made sure that this is the right answer. So I think that's part of the future. I also appreciate that as they've been developing SGE, they've been adding better like references to where they get certain pieces of content because at first it was structured in a way where like publishers were getting absolutely no credit or at least not obviously getting any credit. So same with featured snippets. It's like people got mad when they first started doing that. So I appreciate that there's some effort being made.
1: Yeah, you know what I like in digital marketing that we need to move fast, you know, and if you, yeah, if you lose attention, then uh, other marketers will destroy you. (laughs) And for example, uh, you know, I I spoke with my brothers in accounting niche and uh, they told me that nothing changed for 20 years, you know, and they still use Excel. Wild. And, yeah, and they earn good money, really good money, but nothing changes. Uh, in yeah. digital marketing, it's impossible. We need to move fast. Uh, Google <sighs> makes
0: I also have one other thing that made me think of in terms of like where it's going future-wise and the quick changes. I think that Google also has recognized how powerful influencer marketing is and how powerful those individuals are. And so it's not just about experiential content or whatever. They are also really pushing this whole thing where I think in the future, you're not going to be able to rank your blog or whatever if you don't have an active like online brand an online presence where people yeah, know your name or know your brand's name or whatever. And that is going to continue to be more important. Whereas in accounting, I mean, there are probably accounting influencers because there's influencers for everything, but that's yeah. just not a thing.
1: Yeah. Branding is very important uh, in SEO too. Uh, for example, Forbes, New York times, uh, wall street journal, all these publications, uh, uh were created before digital, uh, and they still have huge audience. Even yeah. if all of them lose all SEO traffic, they will be great. You know, uh, they have loyal audience who wanna find information from these resources. Yeah. So. But yeah. That-
0: It cuts both ways because places like Forbes publish content that like honestly has nothing to do with Forbes. They just do it for SEO. The Verge published an article recently about SEOs that was like honestly really crazy like it was wild. It was a wild ride to read but like the Verge itself publishes all sorts of content that like has nothing to do with their thing and so that it cuts both ways because yes, building a brand and having a loyal audience is really important. But at some point you start to have so much more money to throw at things than like someone who spends their whole life renovating homes. Well, Forbes home, they rank amazingly for a ton of home renovation keywords, but you know what? Like maybe that content's written by a subject matter expert, but like nobody really needs to go to Forbes to learn how to renovate a part of their home or why this thing is rattling. And so I think that it can like, it can get in the way because it can reward like incredibly wealthy companies, which I have no problems with companies growing and making money. I love that people can be creative and build something amazing. But it's like, I also want to see Google not forget that like, content on the web is what it is based on their system because small publishers and like unknowns and people with like expertise, but not a lot of money, like started publishing content on Google and found that like sharing what they had was a great way to build a business. And so I also wanna see Google reward smaller publishers, but anyway, that's kind of a tangent.
1: Nice, nice. Rebecca, I wanna ask uh, a few questions, uh, not about SEO, forget about SEO. I want to ask questions about you. Um, I have students in my network who are looking for ways how to learn from scratch. I have business owners who want to learn the basic before finding experts who can lead them in the right direction. And uh, I found that I usually get great results with Customers who understand what SEO means, why we need to create high quality content, uh, why it's important to think about traffic value than getting more traffic. Many many different insights. So if they understand importance, uh, then uh, they understand all tasks. uh, They understand why uh, we work in some directions, why uh, quality is more important than quantity, many different insights. So let's help both students and business owners. If you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, forget about SEO. You know about Google. You, you search a few times on Google to find some stuff, but you sure. don't know how to optimize, how to rank. What would you do today if you started from scratch?
0: If you wanted to learn. Now, are we talking about people that want to learn SEO or want to just learn something helpful in marketing? Uh, I think to get
1: the basic. And students who want to become an expert in one shiny day
0: (laughs) yeah so if you want to become an expert in seo uh i would say there's a few ways to go about it number one start your own site and publish something that you are publish content about something you are an expert in even if it's something simple like do you love your cats like it doesn't have to be you know anything particularly impressive uh I would also say learn social media because where they're different obviously but social media is kind of becoming an uh, a very necessary part of doing SEO because it's the easiest way to like build a brand for yourself so like, build social media around what you're doing. I think doing is the best way to learn SEO rather than like reading or or those kinds of things. Now, there is a really great SEO specialist um, that created a website. I would highly recommend anybody learning use. It's just learningseo.io. And it is literally just tons of information from really high quality sources about how to do SEO well. So I would say that's like a great place to start. Um, And... In addition to that, I would like just take in as much information as you can, not just from the industry, like find really great industry leaders, follow them on LinkedIn, follow them on X. Like I learned so much just from being on social media, but also have your pulse on where AI is taking things in marketing. Because I think SEO is going to just be changing so much in the next five to 10 years that if you aren't also keeping up with AI developments and, um I'm I, I get like several newsletters um, every single day about what's going on in the world of AI, whether or not it's related to marketing or SEO even because I want to like keep up with what's going on. So I would say those are the best ways to learn um, to learn in those places. If you're more interested in learning just about marketing in general, like, get a job working for a local company in marketing, like learn how to market to a local audience first and like get a feel for what that looks like And getting to know customers and and getting to know all of those things and how to communicate with them. And I think those things can translate as you uh, advance in your career.
1: Awesome, valuable, valuable. I agree. (laughs) Uh, It's better to practice than just to learn. Yeah, of course we need to learn. We need to learn, but if you create your website, you can learn much faster and better yeah. than if you just learn because we have short memory. Yeah. Uh, well, and forget- I'm an
0: agency person. So I mm-hmm. also think working at an agency that does the part of marketing you want, work at an agency like in a low job, like at an entry-level job, you will learn so much because you get to work with lots of different clients. Agency life can be a little fast-paced for a lot of people. So it might not be a long-term solution, but that's one way to like learn by doing.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah. And um, let's talk about failure. In my life, I made a lot of terrible mistakes. Uh, I made a, a lot more uh, slight mistakes. I keep doing them uh, because I don't know how to learn something, especially from scratch. And for yeah. example, when I started uh, press releases, uh, I read a bunch of articles about press releases. I wrote many press releases, speech, all of them, and got zero mentions, zero links, nothing. But I learned the process, how it works, what kind of information journalists are looking for. And yeah, I did it by acting. Uh, I learned from great experts like Ferry Kazovani, many great PR experts, and uh, magic happened after that. We got mentions on CNN, Bloomberg, Business Insider, uh, Dow Jones, because we we can help clients in this niche. Uh, And uh, it's not because of uh, uh, I I, I can do something from scratch. It's because of getting experience, acquiring experience. Uh, When you know the process, you can hire great experts who can write. Press releases. You can find someone who can pitch them. Uh, You can learn uh, tools by making all these mistakes. Rebecca, I want to ask about your mistakes and your patience. Mm -hmm. Okay. In marketing, it's very important to experiment, to test, to analyze. And uh, especially if you start from best practices, you fail. I I don't know, even one time when someone from first attempt, get results it takes time podcasts video content articles you need to fail many times then you can acquire experience and yeah uh because it's to compete with people who spend years on this niche so tell about your failures and how you can learn from that
0: (laughs) yeah I think that early on um doing content and SEO in particular one of my biggest failures was spending way too much time trying to be perfect like every little thing had to be perfect and so um I worked in content for a company that had a round of layoffs and I was in the round of layoffs and I think that one reason that probably happened when they had to cut costs, they probably picked me because I wasn't doing a lot of output. I wasn't actually creating a lot because i would like get obsessed with one little piece and then i would spend a week on it when other people could publish more than that and so um, at another company i worked at the same thing i had the same kind of failure where at first we were like we were so laser focused on this has to be the best thing that has ever been published ever you know we got stuck in that and so my biggest failure is kind of early in that part of my career were spending too much time on things and not being willing to like ship something a little imperfect, you know. Um, I also would say I have worked in multiple situations, in house and through the agency, where I didn't advocate for what I thought was the right call. I kind of let somebody else make the call because they were they were really convinced they were right, you know. And I didn't advocate for the right thing. I thought the strategy that they had chosen probably wasn't the right thing, but I just said. I will see it through. I will do the thing that you want me to do. And I think there have been a few very significant instances where that has led to essentially the failure of that strategy because I didn't speak up. And so I think you're right. Learning from scratch, like you're never going to do it right the first time. Um, I try my hardest to look at failures as like opportunities to learn what I can do better, how I can communicate better, you know, all of those kinds of things. And then beyond that, um, I it's it's really pushed me to become more assertive and more like, you hire me because I'm an expert. So I'm going to be the expert and I'm going to tell you you're wrong uh, because your business is not your baby. No one actually cares about it to the level that you care about it. And so we're going to have some like really honest discussions on how to do this well, not just how to do this the way that you think is the best. And that's it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. And I have my final question. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I have a bunch of questions, but I'm going to follow you on social media to learn from sure. you. Keep learning because it's not a, 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 only about Lily Raid or uh, Lady Solis, many other great experts. I love to learn from experts like you, you not know, to get more valuable insights. I love those
0: people, by the way. I think they're great as well. So
1: <laughs> yeah, guys, The more the merrier. <laughs> yeah, nice. And Rebecca, I want to ask about your daily routine. My final question. Uh, I know it's important to be disciplined, to yeah. be consistent, to be patient, uh, and uh, to have this perseverance. Uh, I remember one story. Uh, I, I forget this book, but uh, I remember the story. When famous book author uh, published... Um, email from another book offer who asked for advice and um, this offer asked uh, to help him because he couldn't sell his books for a long time and he suffered a lot. He suffered a lot. He wrote books, but nobody cared about these books and he asked for advice or from well known book offer and she replied to him, leave it. It's not for you. If you suffer, leave it. you need to love what you do. You don't care about money, results, wealth, sales, anything. If you love it, if you love, then uh, in one day you can overcome others. You can get great results. Uh, and uh, she replied to him, leave it. Uh, but if you can't live without them, then get back, start writing and be perseverance. I want to ask about your uh, Daily routine about your patience, consistency, and any tips that can help to help our audience to be disciplined, consistent, perseverance with getting the results.
0: Yeah, so I had to learn early on what I was not good at when it came to disciplining, like my daily daily things. What I found was I don't use physical planners well for some reason they don't like resonate with me, but I freaking love checking off items on an, like a digital checklist, it like makes my life so happy. And so I put everything, I use Notion for uh, a lot of things, but calendar scheduling for our entire agency as well. And my calendar in Notion has every tiny little thing that I need to do. I have them like prioritized and all these things. Because what I found out was I like to think of a lot of different things at once. I've got you know millions of things going through my head. So if I can just Go to my calendar, add a task to do it on like when it makes sense, do that. And so that was one part of the discipline I developed was like, don't just like follow every single thought and like waste your entire day, but like go and put it, like put an item on the calendar, schedule time to do it. um, Even if it seems like, you know, oh, I'd really, really like to follow this today. Um, the other thing I had to learn was I tend to be somebody who just wants to do everything myself. And so the discipline of delegating has been really helpful. So I've used tools like Loom to record myself doing a lot of tasks so that I can train people at my agency to do them instead. I think that that's been like a sacrifice for me because I would ra- I sometimes would work a 60 or 70 hour week so that I could do everything myself and I like knew it was done right. But then I burned myself out and I wasn't like fully present with my sons, with my husband, like with my family. And I didn't like that either. And so learning to delegate, teaching them what I do, like being really organized with all of the processes that I use has been a big help. Um, And then beyond that, it helps me to have a consistent schedule every week. So like I also homeschool one of my kids. And so I know that from like, you know, this time to this time on mondays i'm available and then from like for these 2 hours i have to be available to him and then i log back on at this time um and just kind of like planning out my day through the school year and i know what every day is going to look like um that's been really good for me and honestly it's i don't know if it sounds counterintuitive but i force myself to only work 8 hours a day like i could probably get more done if i worked 10 hour days or 12 hour days again but I realized, and this is again, like part of discipline is being aware of how you actually respond and like paying attention to the feedback that your mental health gives you, paying attention to the feedback your body gives you and all those things. And what I found was I would work 10 or 12 hours and feel like I got so much accomplished, but then it would kind of like mean that the next day was a real struggle to get things done. And it like, it hurt my productivity and things like that. And so I found that I'm most productive between seven and eight hours a day. And then beyond that, I start to really, it falls off or it like impacts other time worse. So my discipline was partly like learning how to structure things the way that were best for me and also refusing to burn myself out just for the sake of efficiency.
1: Awesome. Valuable. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Uh, I think I have a different approach, but uh, I, I understand that we are different. Everyone is different and it's better to consider your mentality physical conditions uh related things uh, yeah. don't forget about your family and you know to spend time with them as well so yeah i love it rebecca it's a big pleasure to get on my show i love it so valuable tell Thank the best you. way how to keep learning from you how to reach out to you how to follow you
0: yeah so i'm pretty active on linkedin and twitter um i'm just gonna be honest don't dm me on linkedin i won't see it i get so much spam i don't even look anymore so if you have like a specific question um, you can DM me on or X, whatever people call it. Um, so I'm pretty active on both of those, just kind of sharing what I know, um, things like that. Um, on Twitter, I'm on X. I keep forgetting. I'm Rebecca underscore creates. And then on LinkedIn, I'm just Rebecca creates with no underscore. um, Or you can just look up Rebecca Edwards. Um, My agency website's clara.agency. If you really like are interested in, hey, consultation, I've done a lot of like SEO training for people early in the industry. My email address is on our agency website and on my LinkedIn. So you can easily contact me um, there. And I would love to like Share what I know. So those are probably the
1: easiest ways. Yeah, awesome, awesome guys. You can find all links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. So if you open LinkedIn account, you can see uh, you can see a beautiful girl with colorful glasses. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah uh, right now you have black glasses, yes. but. Uh, <laughs> Just today. Uh, <laughs> Just the, Yeah, on LinkedIn, you can see something different. Love it. So awesome. Uh, thanks, guys, a lot for listening, watching us and see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Unmiss. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.